Um, well, good morning and welcome to um, another webinar uh, in our series of events focusing on uh, cities and financial centres uh, across the world. And our focus today is on Cape Town and how the city of Cape Town is building an economy of hope from the bottom up. Uh, we are really, really fortunate today to have with us Alderman James Voss, Mayoral Committee Member for Economic Growth for the City of Cape Town, uh, and his colleagues Katrina Seep, Executive Director of Energy for the City of Cape Town, and Lance Grayling, Director for Enterprise and Investment. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm Mike Wardle, I'm the CEO of the ZN Group and uh, your chair for today. Uh, my job this morning is really to uh, set the scene and then get out of the way um, so we can hear from our speakers. Um, but a few um, a few housekeeping notes first. First of all, many thanks to our sponsors. We are um, very, very grateful uh, to have sponsors allow us to run these webinar series uh, across a wide range of issues in economics, finance and technology. Uh, our thanks to them. Um, the programme today is quite simple. Um, I'm going to get out of the way in a minute. Uh, we'll have presentations from Alderman Voss, um, Lance Grayling and Kadri Nassib, um, and there'll be time for Q&A towards the end. Um, on housekeeping, first of all, the session is being recorded, just so you know, so um, if you uh, miss anything or if you have colleagues and friends uh, who you think might be interested, uh, we will be posting the uh, video recording of the session uh, up on the event page on our website in the next 48 hours or so, um, so do look out for that if you uh, want to review uh, the session. Um, secondly, just for questions as we go through, you can um, use the chat facility um, here on Zoom to uh, make your uh, questions or put your comments in. So please do do that and do that at any point during the presentations uh, and we'll pick those up uh, when we get to the Q&A session uh, around about 25 past. Um, <clears throat> so as I mentioned, we have three really distinguished uh, speakers with us today who'll be able to uh, give us some real insight into uh, developments uh, in Cape Town. Um, and um, the first speaker I'd like to invite and to take the floor um, is Alderman James Voss, Mayoral Committee Member for Economic Growth um, at the City of Cape Town. Alderman Voss. Thank you, Mike. Good morning, everyone, and thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm so fortunate to be able to call this beautiful city home, and more importantly, to be able to work for and with the great people of Cape Town. You may hear the title, Mayoral Committee Member for Economic Growth, and wonder what that means. So what is the nuts and bolts uh, of my work? And so uh, economic growth could be anything to everyone. And that's somewhat true. And on an average day, I'm going from speaking to CEOs on a wine farm to meeting with new recruits at a new call center to speaking to informal traders at a revamped market site and then on to a meeting with my staff at my office. And I love it. It's exciting and interesting and valuable. And we can do this because we have a team within my directorate that facilitates the various programs that boost economic growth. For example, we manage the city's relationship with Cape Town's informal economy role players, engaging with them on issues around infrastructure and training. And we also work with our tourism industry via Cape Town Tourism a body that represents over a thousand operators from airlines to community tour guides. And where you can really see that value is in the latest employment data, which shows that 279,000 new jobs have been created in the last year in this metro alone. Now that's 1,7 million Capetonians now get to work every day 
the highest recording of employment in this metro since at least 2008. We have a long way to go, but it's important to acknowledge just how far we've come. And so the basis for our activities as a team is the inclusive economic growth strategy, a plan that really outlines a whole of city government approach to supporting and enabling economic growth and to ensure that it's accessible to all Capetonians. Now, with the integrated uh, economic growth strategy, we strive to build on these successes. And this starts with a focus on what we deliver as government and build out from there with interventions that really empowers the private sector and individuals to fully access and utilize those services. Now, inclusivity, first and foremost, that might seem to go without saying, but it is important that we specify this because people are the economy. Whether you're buying potatoes from a trader at the corner shop or signing a deal to open a new factory, you are playing an active role in our economy. And so this strategy is keenly aware of every single person in the economic value chain. Now, competitiveness, because Cape Town's economy must be able to quickly adapt in order to better respond to local and global trends of supply and demand, thus encouraging more investors, innovators, and skilled workers to choose Cape Town. So accessibility is an important feature of our economy, and this refers particularly to infrastructure and spatial planning to allow people to access locations where economic opportunities are most prevalent. Now, for growth to be inclusive, we must mitigate the impact of physical separation by way of an environment that allows for social and spatial mobility and which really stimulates uh, activity and community building. Resilience, another important feature of our economic geography. And this is really a guiding principle of the city's integrated development plan. And it is defined in this context as the capacity of individuals, systems, or organizations to survive, overcome, adapt, and thrive irrespective of chronic stresses and acute shocks. And I often make the point that COVID brought a lot of shocks to the system, but now there are important trends to monitor and to adapt to your local economic circumstances. Now, COVID-19 has laid bare the pressing need for Cape Town's economy to be one that supports as many people as possible economically and socially. So by working to foster a robust economy, we aim to manage and reduce the impact of the stresses that inhibit productivity, innovation, and adaptability. And it is prepared to respond to shock events. Sustainability, another important cornerstone of how we approach the economy in Cape Town, and that is to make sure that economic growth is able to continuously reach all Cactonians over time and into all corners of our city. And then, of course, collaboration. Working transparently, consistently, and closely with key role players has been pivotal, pivotal 
to the growth of industries such as green tech and call centers, further collaboration with other government departments and organizations such as Productivity SA, the Rotary Club, and the South African Renewable Energy Technology Center have helped us to connect with small businesses and get them the access to skills development or funders as they need. Now the vision. The vision that really drives this strategy is one of further fostering cooperation between the application of government levers, industries, and the people of our city. In fact, the formation of the Integrated Economic Growth Strategy is one of collaboration and cooperation as it comes from an honest and thorough analysis of Cape Town's socio-economic climate within the national and international context and detailed input from business and industry stakeholders, academics, and members of the public. Now I want to talk to you about making Cape Town the easiest place to do business in Africa and beyond. So uh, our guiding point as a city government is really achieving meaningfully foster economic growth that enables people to lift themselves out of poverty and to create lives of sustained prosperity. Now for this to happen, we need to create an environment that better allows businesses to open their doors and flourish. And so we are picking up the baton on this ease of doing business mission from the World Bank's subnational doing business survey, which in 2018 ranked Cape Town as the top municipality in the country for efficiency in granting electricity and construction permits. Now the bank has discontinued the survey, but the city of Cape Town is pursuing its reform agenda and in fact is honing its focus on the particular needs of Cape Town's business community. And so we started with a series of surveys and other forms of engagement with business bodies and communities. Now from this, we formulated a set of business indicators, the things that really move businesses forward. It's customer centric, it's business facing. And so these business indicators are all aimed at making Cape Town the easiest place to do business. But more importantly, also to give businesses the confidence that we are doing things that's going to make life easier for them. And so there are 10 indicators, each indicator attached to a set of timelines. So it's construction permits, electricity connections, business licenses, informal trading permits. There are 10 of them. And we have selected these 10 because it comes as a result of a business survey that where businesses indicated that these are the ones that affect them most and the ones that we have control over. And so from this, we formulated then a set of indicators onto a dashboard with the intention to monitor our government performance in terms of providing local businesses with services. And also these measures will help us as the city government in our efforts to understand how to better deliver services that lets Cape Townians simply get on with the business of business and will also make us more transparent, accountable to the people we serve because the dashboard is live so people can see exactly what we are doing and how we are doing it. And it is on the investcapetown.com website. And so my mission really is to create an economy where all Cape Townians have clear sight of the pathways of opportunities 
be that a job or a new business. And so in overseeing the economic growth directorate, my portfolio covers sectors, projects, programs, and how they all weave into the Cape Town economy. Now, I want to make this very clear, and that's from the city government's perspective in how we see the economy. It's not simply numbers and graphs or even rands and cents. An economy that is people. So the departments that I oversee, the projects we run and the manner in which my team and I work together are all cognizant of that understanding. And so I have a very clear goal to see how we can achieve breakout growth in the economy and to help secure a job in every household in Cape Town. And so my approach is to lead with and encourage empathy, collaboration, innovation, communication, and innovation, and of course, consistency. And in fact, I see this as the basis of many corporates here in Cape Town. So we are very much aligned as the city government with our corporate community in how we approach business, how we approach economic development. And I hope that will give you now a good idea of what it is my team and I do, because economic growth is really a broad term that can mean a lot because it concerns every single person from the job seeker to the intern to the trader. And, and I really think it's safe to say that our approach towards the economy and the programs that we have started has, causes, has caused a shift in Cape Town's uh, business environment. For example, our productivity efficiency program this year alone assisted 18 businesses resulting in the retention of 588 jobs. Now, if you think about it, from the job seeker to the intern, to the trader, to the CEO, our economy is very broad, but we also have very strong performing sectors. And so these two slides right here are the nuts and bolts. Take investment facilitation, our dedicated branch that is tasked with helping corporations to land and expand in the mother city is the reason that 3 billion rand in new investments came into Cape Town. We make it happen. We're also committed to helping small businesses go big because everyone has to start somewhere. And I know, believe me, that figuring out the numerous aspects of development can be a minefield. But for our city government is, may I remind you, very committed to making this the easiest place to do business. And so our dedicated business hub team is ready to answer questions around legislative or municipal processes, where to find funding, and it also offers free training workshops. The training includes our smart procurement supply program, which connects city vendors to clients other than the city. And we have received feedback on several from several participants uh, securing new opportunities through this initiative. And this year, there was such an influx of applications that we have extended the deadline. We also have a Cape Town Entrepreneurship Academy. This is a free online learning portal that hosts a series of courses supplied by experts geared for aspiring business owners. Some courses can be done in an hour or less and can be covered over a few days. And so this Cape Town Entrepreneurship Academy is a wonderful way to support entrepreneurs on their business journey. Then we have the Jobs Connect platform, helps job hunting Capetonians to find opportunities in the areas and industries of their choosing. 
and it helps them to get access to work readiness training. And they can do it all from the comfort of their own homes at minimal cost. So as you can hear, I'm deeply passionate about these projects because I was there at the concept phase and I have seen it through to the implementation phase. So what are our goals? What are our goals when it comes to breakout growth? So we are aiming for under the banner of economic growth to be the easiest place to do business, to get a job in every household in Cape Town, and to make sure that we drive tourism and trade into our city, to our businesses to access more markets. In other words, to export more goods, which we are doing through platforms such as the capetradeportal.com, to land more flights, to get more cruise liners, to dock here, to get uh, more conferences into our convention venues. And then, of course, to make sure that we can support businesses from the ground up to build products that's competitive, to get their products into new markets. And also then, of course, very importantly, workforce development. Now, you know, for businesses right now, priorities such as energy security and safety are understandably high on their risk assessments. But what absolutely needs to be there as well is skills development. Skilled persons are necessary to grow businesses and innovate industries. And so as a city government, we are absolutely aware of this, which is why our programs are not simply funding training for training's sake. We are investing in skills development in sectors that are booming right now, and that will become dominant in the future. And this will make Cape Town much more productive and competitive. And I can confidently say that this city government is committed to building a community of diversely skilled Capetonians through our priority projects with our special purpose vehicles, because we have the foresight to building a community of diversely skilled Capetonians, as I've said, and also to make sure that Cape Town is the best city to do business in Africa and to come and work, live and play here. And later this morning, I'll be attending the graduation of our colleagues that have attended the Cape Skills and Employment Accelerator program. And, and those young people have gone through this program with a hope to find a job, to get the right training. And this morning we are making their dreams come true. And so to, this morning it's the graduation ceremony of these young Capetonians that have gone through the Cape Skills and Employment Accelerator, which by the way, is a first for any municipality, which is funded by the City of Cape Town and the National Skills Fund, where we provide training and workplace experience in high growth industries for previously unemployed South African youth and women. And that's in your call centers, in your clothing factories. And so the list goes on. And it's wonderful to see our access to this project has given these young people who desperately needed a job, a foothold in one of Cape Town's biggest industries. So economic value to these young people and to the many people that are involved in our economy, from the trader to the CEO and informal and formal businesses. It goes to show that where there's a will, there's a way. And this is what you'll get from this city government where we have a, a deep desire to do things for the right reasons with the right resources. 
that can give people pathway to opportunities. And we do realize that we still have a long way to go because behind all of these numbers that I've quoted this morning are real people for whom these jobs and training and access to opportunity gives dignity. And so we will continue to push for the reform of systems, facilities that fall outside of our local government mandate, but that affect the economic development of Cape Town and South Africa. The creation of an aerotropolis, an efficient and world-class port, and the implementation of remote worker visa are some examples. We might not have had these things if it wasn't through our lobby efforts and everything that we've put forward as motivation, a well-functioning harbor, a world-class airport, a rail system that can move people and goods around efficiently. Um, and those are the things that we will continue pushing for. And of course, energy is a fantastic game changer for any city where you can go renewable, where you can do so much more in terms of generating your own and getting users and of course, producers to, to get onto uh, a system that works well, that gives business confidence, and that's good for the environment, good for people, good for planet. And so later this morning, you'll hear from our head of energy, you'll hear from my head of department on economic development about the programs that we do, and more importantly, the why we do it. Listen, we face big socioeconomic challenges, both in South Africa and globally but we cannot afford to wallow in despair. I can't, I won't. I have to be a champion for Cape Town and having met Capetonians in every corner of the city, I feel excited, I feel motivated every day and I want to be a champion for Cape Town. And what you can hear from our presentations, mine, Kadri to speak on energy, Lance to speak on our economic programs, is that, uh, that this is a city government that's ready to do business that's uh, open to new ideas and where we want to do the right things for the right reasons. So thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. It's been my absolute pleasure to join you on this webinar. And don't forget that tomorrow is Youth Day. And I, and I want to make just a closing remark on that because if business is not listening to the youth, they are not listening to their future competitors, employees or customers. And if you think about it, the size of its young population is Africa, and it's a huge asset. And we have a very strong uh, competitive advantage in this instance. So as Nelson Mandela reminded us, our children are the rock on which our future will be built, our greatest asset as a nation. They will be the creators of our national wealth who care for and protect our people. So as we celebrate Youth Day tomorrow, let's think about those young people. And it's high time that the young people take their rightful place in the economy. And then the question is, why are young people are so important to our economy? So let's think about that in terms of the programs we do, the infrastructure investments we make, because it's all about making that unemployment queue shorter so that we can lift people out of poverty over time. And so it's a big ask from our government leaders, but also it's uh, an important one with our corporates behind us so that we can do what's right for the economy of our country. Thank you so much.
Well, thank you very much, Alderman Voss. Um, just moving on now, I'd like to invite uh, Kadri Nassib to take the floor and to particularly talk about the uh, energy strategy. Uh, Kadri, over to you. Right, thank you so much. Uh, and good morning, everybody. And also to Alderman Voss, thank you for that brilliant segue into energy security of supply. And I think that's going to be critical for us as we go forward. So I'm going to take you through a presentation that's, uh, and I'm going to ask maybe Sasha if I could just progress the slides. Um, just so that I can take control of the slides. That'll be awesome. Thank you so much. So I'm going to take you through the slides now, which are going to talk very briefly around the issues of energy security of supply, and in particular, concentrating on our energy strategy. And the energy strategy really plots a pathway from now until the point at which we can say that we've effectively transitioned our energy system from one which is completely dependent upon a single supplier of electricity to us, to one which is an open, liberated, and competitive marketplace, which I think allows for a greater degree of reliability in terms of that energy supply, and talks to the economic growth goals as well that we've, we've set ourselves as a city. So I'm going to just move on, and perhaps, Sasha, I'm going to perhaps need some assistance to, to move on, unfortunately, since it's not moving on its own. Okay, great stuff, so that's fine. In terms of where we're going with our strategy, one of the key things that I'm going to highlight to you today and very briefly in the time that I've allocated is an outline of where we're going with our strategy, in particular the goals that we've set ourselves, and then to talk through some of the load shedding mitigation measures that we've introduced as a city, just to highlight to you what is practical and what is possible in a relatively short period of time, and just to discuss what the implications are of those mitigation measures. Beyond that, I'm going to talk to you very briefly also about the process that's been followed in the modeling on the modeling front, which allows us then to be able to predict the kind of response that we need from the strategy in order to ensure that energy security of supply exists. The next slide, thank you. So in terms of the indicative timeline, uh, we've actually now developed the strategy to the point where it's available for public participation. So we've just put that out to the public with the intention of soliciting inputs from the broader public. And then towards the end of uh, the year, we'll be looking at wrapping up the strategy in anticipation that by February of next year, we will be able to then actually go and publish um, that formally as a strategy. So I'm going to take you briefly through what the strategy consists of. If I can move on to the next slide. This is probably one of the take-home slides that I'd like you to focus on. Uh, it's very important for us to be able to contextualize what are we trying to achieve. And we've already spoken about, from a reliability perspective, ensuring energy security of supply. How we intend to do that is through various commitments. And those commitments are in the blue blocks. So for example, being able to harness new energy supply. That's going to be critical. And we're really going to market and we'll be testing that in due, in due course in any event. One of the critical themes for us is also being able to alleviate energy poverty. And for a, a city like Cape Town of just about four and a half million people, um, a fair percentage of that are now indigent. And we are working feverishly to try and address the concerns of those who currently do not have access to a reliable and affordable energy supply. So that becomes one of the central pillars of our strategy. Coupled to that would also be the optimal use of our resources. It doesn't just mean energy. It could be other additional resources, such as our water resources, our waste resources, and even our skill sets to be able to ensure an optimal solution going forward. There are, of course, various enablers that are designed to support this particular initiative. 
and that includes our ability to operate a future fit energy utility, one which moves away from the traditional uh, electricity distribution business and one that talks more to an energy company with various other services that it offers over and above the traditional grid services that we associate with a utility. Also, what's very critical to the strategy is the action that's required by our consumers, in particular residents and businesses that have been able to respond and are able to be accommodated and empowered to make a contribution into the energy space. So that becomes one of the central themes for us. Noting, of course, the various challenges that exist within the energy sector, particularly within Cape Town and, then of course, the broader country as a whole. Noting, of course, the, the, the load shedding implications, particularly at the advanced higher levels of load shedding that we've been experiencing of late, really adds impetus and really helps us to create, I think, the, the drive behind some of these initiatives that we're proposing and, in fact, are already undertaking. Next slide, please. So when we go into just a little bit more detail on that, if I could just ask, thank you so much. Where, where are we talking about the actual commitments that we've made? Uh, the, there are some initiatives that are built into the strategy that are designed to not only look at the longer term vision that we've just outlined, but also to look at the short term needs. And the short term needs are really governed by the need to mitigate load shedding. So we've se separate, separated that out into, for example, city owned generation. We've looked at buying in power, that's 1.3, buying in power from the outside, allowing for wheeling, which is a competitive environment in which a third party generator can sell electricity to a customer on our network and uses the city's network for wheeling purposes. So we've enabled that and we've actually gone to market with that. We're also looking at various ways of actually reducing demand. So it's not just about uh, adding on new capacity, it's also about being able to limit the demand for electricity at times when the pricing is either too high or when availability becomes a challenge. And so demand response is one of the key enablers for us. And this is really what we've been pushing into the marketplace as well. Along the way, of course, we've, we've also introduced other programs, including the small scale embedded generation program that seeks to assist businesses and residences to export their surplus solar power and for us to buy that uh, back at a particular agreed feed-in rate. Next slide, please. Uh, just a summary slide. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. This just highlights to you what those commitments are that I've already mentioned to you. Maybe we can go on to the next slide, just in the interest of time. This just gives you a bit more detail in terms of what we are using for mitigation within the city. This is also one of those take-home slides that I'd like you to focus on going forward. In particular, looking at the role of our Stienbrus, which is our pump storage plant, where we've been able to use two of the units uh, for the better part of the year to mitigate up to two stages of load shedding. We've also gone to market for about 500 megawatts of dispatchable power, and that power will allow us to mitigate a minimum of four stages of load shedding, and that power will be available by about 2026. On the demand side, we have our program, which is called our Power Heroes campaign, together with what we call the demand response aggregators, and that program allows us to go out and actually reduce demand within the residential sector by up to 60 megawatts, which corresponds to roughly one stage of load shedding in winter. So you can see the way in which we are building up our mitigation from various interventions using available resources, first of all, like Stienbrus, but also looking to the marketplace for cheaper, more competitively priced, but also 
looking also at the uh, at the notion around timing and making sure that power is available in a shorter period as time as possible. What's also important for us is to protect our water resources, to look at the utilization of storage within our city. So all of those are now being addressed. And in fact, the whole plan will culminate in 2026 in ultimately ending load shedding within the city of Cape Town. Next slide, please. So very briefly on the next slide, I just wanted to show you that there's a lot of work that's gone into predicting the type of interventions that are going to be put in place and then deciding from there uh, which ones take priority. And so we've built up these scenarios uh, to show you in the maroon curve uh, what where the load shedding interventions are, are still taking place. And then to look at under the gray area, that represents the ESCOM contribution that will still be there. And the green blocks uh, represent the contribution from independent sources, uh, IPPs in particular, and the yellow in, involves the, the small-scale embedded generation contributors from solar in particular. And if I can just move on to the next slide, just to show you during a summer month what this means. In essence, those dark blue fangs that are hanging down in scenario two and in scenario 3A, that represents the dispatchable power that would be available on the grid. And if you look at the contribution then from the gray area, which is ESCOM, you see that that drops off during the middle of the day. And in fact, in scenario 3A, there's almost no contribution from ESCOM as a result of purchases in the green from the private sector. And then, of course, the small scale and better generation consumers within the orange and the yellow spaces. So that gives you a feel for what we anticipate is going to happen in the marketplace. Certainly by 2026, you're going to see, for example, scenario 3A unfolding. And the objective there is to really liberate the energy market in that particular sense. Next slide, please. And I think I'm almost done. I just wanted to give you some takeaways in essence is that our goal is never to return to a scenario in which we are dependent upon ESCOM. We are moving rapidly into an environment in which the marketplace is dictated by external and market-related influences rather than by a single supplier of electricity. Our role as a bulk reseller is also changing. I've mentioned to you that we see ourselves as an energy company within the city that provides a range of services designed to meet the needs of all of our customers. Also, the critical modeling that's been done shows us that there's indeed an opportunity for us to limit that impact in terms of energy uh, supply. So the important thing to note in this particular context is that it's not just a city initiative, it's all participants, all stakeholders. And I notice there's some very good comments that are coming through as well, which hopefully we'll be able to address during a Q&A session. And we can talk about the impact that vandalism and theft has had on load shedding and also on the state of our infrastructure. And that certainly will have to be dealt with as we go forward. Next slide, please. I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time with this uh, because of the interest of time, but except to say to you that we are moving full steam into an environment in which we are investing in the private sector, investing in infrastructure that's going to meet the long-term needs of the city. So beyond load shedding, we have to consider what an energy market would look like. And from there, we can then be able to determine what the next steps will be in terms of other areas. So this, these are some big decisions that are required. They are being taken at present. A lot of those are being publicized in the marketplace. And we look forward to a further journey with you in terms of being able to reach energy security of supply. Thank you. Sasha, if we could move on. And I think from there, just in the interest of time, I'm going to rather conclude on that note. I think those slides would be available. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike.
thanks. Um, and uh, briefly, Lance, um, just to conclude the presentation today, um, over to you. Yes, thank you, Mike. And in fact, I won't go through my whole presentation because I know we really pressed for time and we want to answer the questions. So just briefly sum it up because I think Alderman Foss has already made a lot of the key points with regards to our economy in Cape Town. We are the second uh, largest uh, city in Cape Town in terms of our economy. We've got over 4.8 million people. We're the number one airport in Africa. We've got four internationally acclaimed universities, young and dynamic workforce. We've got the most startups on the continent and we're Africa's leading tech hub. We've also had stable government now for at least 15 years. And it's one of the reasons why we are able to become a city of hope and still attract investment. Just to give you a quick snapshot of our um, uh, performance over the last uh, few sectors, over, over the last few uh, quarters, over the last few quarters, we have seen continued economic growth in Cape Town. And in fact, it has been uh, really encouraging to us to see that the unemployment rate has been dropping in Cape Town by at least around 3% on average in each of those quarters. So we really are becoming that city of hope. And what you see in this presentation here and on this slide is all of the sectors and our sector bodies that we support. And I will, in fact, just close it on this to say that we are, we see ourselves very much as a kind of services gateway to Africa. Um, we're very strong in the services economy. We've got most of the insurance companies headquartered here. We've got most of the asset managers headquartered here in Cape Town. We've got most of the tech companies. We've, in fact, got most of the renewable energy companies who are benefiting from the national renewable energy IPP program headquartered here in Cape Town. And then just to say, we also have the Atlanta Special Economic Zone. It's been set up specifically for the tech sector, has a number of national incentives and local incentives to attract investors in there. And thankfully, our efforts seem to be paying fruit because we are, in fact, having a very strong investor pipeline, both into the Atlanta SSZ and into Cape Town as a whole. So I think I'll end it on that point. There's a lot more to say, but I think let's go into questions and, and leave some space for that. So yeah, I'm not gonna do the rest of my slides if that's okay. Thank you. Well, thank you very much uh, to you, Lance, and to Kadri, and to um, Alderman Voss, who's had to go off to uh, take part in the graduation ceremony that he mentioned. Um, <clears throat> we've got a couple of questions, I think probably are for Kadri. Um, mm. And the first one of those is, um, just a comment, really, that say, until load shedding is sorted, crime, sabotage, and corruption, you know, it won't encourage investors. Um, so, you know, what's the relationship, I guess, between the developments that you're making today um, and the way in which you can cope with some of the uh, issues, social issues that, um, that that you're facing at the same time? Kadri, are you there? Mm -hmm. Should I take that one quickly, Mark, if we... Yeah, ready, sure. Kadri? Oh. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think absolutely. I mean, that is the nub of the challenge faced here in Cape Town, in fact, in South Africa as a whole. I mean, the good thing around Cape Town is that we are being able to deal with a lot of the national crises in Cape Town and insulate ourselves to some extent from that. So, Kadri's already talked about 
about how we are trying to insulate ourselves from the national energy crisis. And I think we're doing an excellent job around that. And, and that, uh, that picture is certainly improving. Um, the same with Prime, even though the South African Police Service is a national competency, we have augmented our services and in fact have pumped uh, a lot of money into what's called the LEAP offices. And where we have deployed those LEAP offices in our nine most crime-ridden uh, areas in Cape Town, we have seen the murder rate they particularly come down dramatically. So we are doing everything that we can as a city of Cape Town government to address some of the kind of national shortcomings. I mean, we're not there yet, but we certainly are making progress. And thankfully, as I said, we do still have a very strong investor pipeline. So people are still seeing us as a city of hope. But yes, we have massive challenges to overcome. Uh, thank you very much. And th the other question is about the place of desalination. Um, mm. of seawater in, in, in the energy and water and uh, resources mix. <laughs> and again, any comments on you know, where yes. Cape Town sits on that question? No, absolutely. Thanks for that. And look, I, I lived through that water crisis. It was a very tough period. But I actually say that that water crisis was, in fact, an extremely positive story for Cape Town because we were, in fact, the only city in the world that we know of that were able to reduce our consumption of water by half over a period of a year and a half. And because we were able to, to do that, we were able to avoid a day zero scenario. So we really actually shows the resilience of all Cape Town and our ability to come together in a time of historical um, water shortages. We've never experienced that. That's one in a 400-year event, and we were able to mitigate against it. So it really does show our resilience. But in terms of desalination, it is part of our plans, but of course it is very energy intensive. So at this stage, we're not looking to do desalination on a large scale, but if our dams drop, start to drop below 60%, we've already got all the approvals in place to actually uh, fast-track desalination within a year or two and build that up so we can do it. I can thankfully say that right now the rain is falling and has fallen for the last three weeks in Cape Town and our dams are at 80% full and we expect them to actually be at 100% full by the end of the hydrological season in October. Thanks. Well, um, we're currently having some rather good weather in the UK, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's usually the other way around that we say it's raining and uh, you tell us how good the weather is. Uh, I'm glad that we can shift that around this time. Um, Absolutely. I, I guess there's a question about tying both parts of the presentations together, the kind of the economic mm. growth and, and the energy. Um, and maybe Kadri, just thinking about the financing of energy development um, that you were talking about. Um, you know, how's that? How's that going? And because you must be raising money from the private as well as the public sector to finance the development, um, is it an attractive investment um, for people wanting to get involved in infrastructure development in Cape Town? Well, absolutely. I mean, we've been inundated with requests to actually set up financing facilities for Cape Town. So a lot of the big banks, DFIs, etc., have all been here asking to participate in the energy market, which is very encouraging. Um, one of the key things for us, of course, is also to allow the private sector to raise their own funding. And our commitment at this stage, uh, in terms of our existing tenders, is to encourage them to bid in, they raise the funding, and then we provide the long-term power purchase agreement. So for our embedded generation program, for example, which is mainly solar projects, that's connected directly to our grid within the city, uh, they'll receive a 20-year PPA. And then for the 500-megawatt project, which is the dispatchable energy one, 
they will receive a 10-year power of purchase agreement, but it will be renewable, subject to agreement by both parties. So we're creating that space. Uh, it comes mainly out of our operating expenditure that we would have used to pay ESCOM. So there's no real difference to us at this particular point in time. But we're also relying on the bankability around our balance sheet uh, to be able to attract the investment that's required for the private sector to reach financial close. But at this stage, we don't anticipate any challenges as we've already seen, not only from our credit rating, but also from the state of health of our, of our financial system, that in fact, uh, we're a good investment destination for those uh, IPPs. Uh, thank you very much. Um, we've, got, we've got a question just saying, you know, what or who are the non-ESCOM suppliers um, and how are they generating energy? In other words, so, so what's the energy mix um, and, and who, what kind of businesses are they? So the bulk of energy at the moment is supplied by ESCOM. There's only a tiny fraction uh, which comes from one independent power producer called the Darling Wind Farm. Um, the tenders that we have out right now will all culminate in projects being uh, added onto the grid, power being generated at the earliest 2025. 2026 would be for the larger dispatchable energy tenders. And there's a combination there of either local entrepreneurs, companies that are involved in the energy space, coupled to the larger, more established IPPs from abroad. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a mismatch, or no, a mixed match of different suppliers coming through either locally and internationally. So it's a bit early to say exactly who they are, but I can tell you that there's a fair spread of some very well-known, very established names included in there. Thank you very much. We've got time for maybe one more uh, question only. Um, just saying a question here saying the, the expectation of solar generation seems quite small in the you know, presentation you made. Um, but just wondering what your policies are about um, individual and individual buildings uh, generating their, their own solar energy. Uh, is that something which yeah. you are promoting? Yeah, so we didn't spend too much time on that today in the presentation, uh, just because of time. But the small scale embedded generation program does allow for businesses and the residential customers to put up their solar installations on rooftops and then, in fact, be able to export the surplus power back into our network. They have to go through a registration process. It is a requirement, a legal requirement. And that can be cumbersome slightly, but we are working on ways and means of streamlining that process. And by next year, I'll say it will be fairly well automated, allowing for a very short turnaround time to get the necessary approvals. But we do allow it, so you can actually just put up the system for your own consumption, or in fact, you can decide to export that power back into the network, providing you meet certain requirements in that respect. So that system has been in place since 2014. We have just expanded it slightly at the moment to allow for our commercial customers to actually sell us more power than what they're actually consuming from the grid. And in time, we'll be able to expand that to our residential uh, customers as well. Well, thank you very much. And time has beaten us. There'll be a lot more, I'm sure, to say. Um, and uh, we've really enjoyed uh, the presentation. Just so by way of closing, um, thanks again to our sponsors who um, enable this program of webinars that we're able to run. Um, and you know, we look forward to uh, future events. Uh, do keep an eye on the website. But on Monday, we have uh, a session in conversation with Afrique and uh, Tanji Morgan from the Bank of England on diversity and representation, uh, both black women working in the central bank here, which is uh, maybe not our uh, first idea of a central banker. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Transform, Don't Optimize, looking at a history-based series of change. Uh, and Mauritius on Thursday, 
looking at the um, a, a stable environment for captive insurance companies and Mauritius. So plenty coming up. Um, but it just leaves it for me to say um, a huge thank you to our colleagues from Cape Town. Uh, first of all, uh, Alderman Voss, who's had to leave us, but gave a, a great oversight um, of the you know, economic strategy in Cape Town, but also particularly to Kadri Nasib. Uh, and Lance Grayling here with us. Uh, normally on these kind of events, I could throw this open for a round of applause. Um, we can't really do that over Zoom, so you get a very small one from me. Um, but really, really interesting presentations. Many, many thanks for your participation. Uh, and we very much look forward uh, to continuing to see Cape Town progress. Thank you very much.